Davis bringing you episode nine of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I figured I'd go with a little little disc jockey kind of intro because as I've talked about in every episode, I want a different intro than my other podcast. So maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go 1051, the Watchcast, you know, something like that. Or not. First off, I watched Spotlight, which is a movie that came out in 2015, I think. 2015 might be right. I don't know. Someone might have to correct me. Maybe it's 2014. But it is a movie about the Spotlight news team uncovering Catholic priests being bad guys. <laughs> okay, to put it lightly, being bad guys. And I'm not really going to go into the movie because I think the movie is so simple in its flow and its delivery. It knows when to lull. It knows when to get you going. That... It's, it's really, really great. It's very simple. It's clean. Clean movie about something very dirty. It, it works incredibly well. It, it's always rolling in a way, you know? It, it does have some slowdowns, but it knows when to slow down. It knows when to take a break. And that's important, you know, in pacing. It's, it's, got a, it's got a natural ebb and flow to it, and it's a really easy watch. I'd recommend it to anybody as long as, you know, those things aren't triggering for you or, you know, like that. Or if you just don't want to watch a movie about Catholic priests being pedophiles. Next up, Secret Invasion, of course. I'm going to bring it to you every week. Episode 4. This was a weird episode. <laughs> I don't know where to start with this one. It felt sloppy. I know this show isn't exactly known for how clean cut and nice it is, but it felt extra sloppy. It added a character that is supposed to be the president of the United States, played by Dermot Moroney. I think that's how you say his name. If not, correct me and I will say it right next time. It's played by him and it's trying to make us care about it simply because he's the president of the United States. It hasn't done any character work. It hasn't introduced this character in a great way beforehand. And if it did, I don't even remember. That's how great it was. And yet we're supposed to care about this. It's supposed to be huge stakes because he's the president. And I hate when they fall on this inherent feel or, or position, I guess is a better term, to do all the work for them. It's the same thing with a sports movie. It's not that the climax is that crazy. It's that it's a freaking sports game or event, you know, uh, whether it be 
Invictus with its rugby or greatest game ever played with the golf. It's not that these sequences are the greatest in the world. It's that sports have an inherent tension. They have a climax. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end, much like a lot of stories have, and that's built in. So I think it's kind of lazy to rely on something such as that, such as a president of the United States, just because he was the president of the United States. It doesn't make me care more about the character just because you threw this position on him. You know, you say someone's the king of the world, I don't care because I didn't see how he was king of the world. I didn't see him come up as king of the world. I didn't see him act as king of the world. I just saw him for one episode, and so I'm supposed to care because he's king of the world. I don't like that at all. And he was featured pretty prominently in this episode and its climax which I will talk about in depth because the climax is really the sloppy part. There is a sequence where there's a big shootout. It is a shootout with two sides. Then Gravik, the villain you might know, or you know what, or might not know, maybe you haven't been watching, he gets behind this line of defense. So, you know, the, the skirmish line. He gets behind it and he starts shooting and he even has a little a little thing with Sam Jackson looking at him and having this dramatic moment while the shootout is happening. And I'm not an expert in anything, but if a guy behind me is shooting my teammates and my comrades, why wouldn't I turn around and look? I don't quite understand unless this was a way that they, they thought of the plot before they thought of the logistics. They thought of his position in the skirmish line, and they thought, oh, yeah, this will work. But then when they got time to shoot, they said, ah, well, um, it'll work. <laughs> you know, they, it feels as though they forced themselves into this little pigeonhole, or you know what I'm saying. It's odd. It, it doesn't feel right at all. The climax felt anticlimactic, whether it be the heavy use of CG that didn't look amazing. And I know I was just talking about the special effects and how good the practical things were last week. Guess what? Sloppy CG's back, baby. Yeah, I thought they had changed. No, they didn't. I should have, I should have known. It doesn't matter. This episode might've been the worst episode. I didn't even really like episode one. I hate going episode to episode and reviewing it like this, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell it how I see it. I'm gonna tell it how it is even if I don't love telling it how it is. It's just, it, it felt sloppy. This feels like a show that will be much better binged because you won't have time to really reminisce or the opposite of reminisce about last week's episode. I'm still, of course, going to watch it all the way through, but this one was a bit of a stinker. Whether it be the, I want to say forced, but... I don't know a better word right now off the top of my head. Whether it be the forced character development of Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury, which I actually appreciated until this episode, it felt rushed. And that's not great. That's not ever great, you know? If something doesn't feel complete, then what's the point of doing it? Or what's the point of having it? It feels rushed. This episode, I think, was even the shortest episode, and yet I probably have the most complaints about it because it wasn't even bland. It was kind of bad. 
they revealed a certain reveal that, oh, someone's not dead. Great. Love that. It doesn't matter. I guess it works within the confines of this. And yet I still didn't care. You know, it's, it's not a Gandalf thing where he gets resurrected and you're thinking, hell yeah, Gandalf, baby. That's, that's not it at all. You're thinking, oh, okay, they're back. Great. Woo. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, nothing that exciting. And I don't even think this episode really deserves for me to talk about it more than these five minutes. So I'm going to just call it and say really sloppy climax, Samuel Jackson's character development, and a certain sacrifice that was made seem a little heavy-handed in forcing you to care about something. Oh, and there's a twist that really didn't feel as though it was actually a twist because they didn't build it up in any way, shape, or form other than in the show. So again, it doesn't feel as though there is any weight to this show, which is the opposite of a scroll invasion. You know, you want a scroll invasion to have some hard-hitting pound-for-pound weight. This doesn't, this doesn't have that, and it comes off as middling, really, whelming, you know. And moving on, I watched Record of Ragnarok Season 2, Part 2 of 2, maybe? I don't know. It seemed as though it was a little on the short end. I think there were only six episodes. I think part one had ten episodes, so are they doing a part three that's four, five episodes, six episodes? I don't know. I don't know. But I watched Record of Ragnarok, new chapter on Netflix. I hate the release schedule because I'm very confused by what I've just tried to battle over. This show has a ton of filler. It might be the definition of filler show because every episode has filler within it. It's not that, oh, this episode is filler. It's, no, this certain part of the episode is filler. And that sucks. You know, it really sucks because I love the idea of this. If you're not familiar with Record of Ragnarok, it's about humans and gods putting their best fighters up against each other in 1v1s to decide the fate of the human race. So the first episode or second episode, sorry, I won't say episode, the second battle was between Adam and Zeus, and that was so cool. I absolutely loved seeing that. It's very reminiscent of the Fate series. Uh, Shout out to Fate Zero being rad as hell. The other Fates are okay, but Fate Zero is rad as hell. It's very reminiscent of that, having these heroes of history fighting each other in these really unique and creative ways. That also brings me to how much I love how these characters are being translated into this show and how these creators and writers have kind of twisted a character to be a certain, a certain perspective, you know? A very certain characteristic of a character can stand out more than it might have standed out to you. Which I love. I absolutely love when there is a fresh take on classic characters that you know you've known for years and years. You've known all your life. You know, I've seen fictional Zeus my entire life. And it's fun to see this Zeus because he's not like those other fictional Zeuses. He's a happy-go-lucky old Master Roshi Zeus. And I absolutely love that because he was old Master Roshi. (laughs) That is what Zeus was, if you really think about it. Yet... Every time you see him, he's all this big buff Zeus. Like, oh, yeah, I'm totally not a fucking sexual deviant who ugh, does things to people. 
<laughs> Greek mythology, you know, you know it or you don't. It's it's gross. Zeus is kind of gross, but he's always portrayed as this god of gods, king of kings dude, and it's absolutely hilarious to see something actually represent him right or you know in a very specific light. Which you know, all that's cool. But again, back to the actual anime, it it sucks having to keep up with this anime because there are fillers within the episodes. So you watching these as they come out, you feel as though you're wasting your time on some of the fillers. It doesn't do anything. There's very little anticipation for me. I think, oh, new chapter of Record of Ragnarok. I had no idea. I'm not anticipating it. It's never, oh man, two more weeks. I got Record of Ragnarok to watch. Nope. It's, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll check that out. I'll check that out when it comes out, you know? It never builds any hype due to its release. If anything, I think its release schedule hinders it from building an audience that would binge it all in one day. Because I think that would be much preferable with how much filler is in this i mean of course it can't be all battles 100 percent of the time but it is literally about battles 100 percent of the time so you do the math there for me and come back to me it's a fine show okay fine as it does some good things whether it's a fine show even a good show i don't know it's kind of hard to pin it down into one thing yet it's fun to watch, you know, it's, it's fun to watch the twists and turns, if you can call them that, because every human gets this Valkyrie who turns into a freaking weapon, and it's always so cool, there's a lot going on, and I wish it focused more on that, on the lot going on, instead of the side stuff that keeps you distracted, and it's not even the flashback things, or the flashback scenes, it's the flashback scenes that don't really add anything. There are flashback scenes that are very pivotal, and then there might be a flashback scene that you're wondering, wait, didn't I already kind of see this? Which you did. And then in between the fights, there will be conversations that are kind of just recaps of the fight, which make you wonder, why am I listening to this recap when, you know, it's dialogue, air quotes around dialogue. I get it. I get why they're doing it. Maybe the manga is exactly like this. But it doesn't make it any better in my eyes. Still fun watch. Last thing I watched, Waco The Aftermath, which is a sequel to Waco, the show starring Taylor Kitsch, Michael Shannon, and other people. This is a sequel that came out eight years after, I think that was 2016. So... Almost eight years after the Waco show, I'm sure quarantine had something to do with it. Who knows? Just blame everything on quarantine. It works really well. You know, no one's going to question that. But it is the, of course, aftermath of Waco. And yet half of the show is comprised of flashbacks. And in these flashbacks, Taylor Kitsch is, has been replaced by some actor. I don't know his name, but he now plays David Koresh. And he does a fine job but it leads me to believe that they couldn't really afford Taylor Kitsch again because, you know, shave his face. He probably could have pulled off young David Koresh. Instead, they get another guy, and he's good. He's good. I'm not going to say he's bad. It's just a little odd. And it's a little odd that the aftermath has so many flashbacks. I mean, I swear, half the show is flashbacks, and it's called Waco the Aftermath, which, 
Listen, I, I'm okay with flashbacks. I, I really don't mind flashbacks. It's the fact that you called it Waco the Aftermath, and now I'm learning everything before Waco. It, it makes this weird kind of oxymoronic sense of what the show is because you called it something else. Now, when it does go to the Aftermath, there is a new character played by Giovanni Ribisi. I think I said that right, thank God. He is absolutely fantastic. I love him in almost everything he does. I will, I'm going to say in everything he does because I don't think I've hated him in anything or disliked him in anything, but he kills it here. His acting is on full display. His little Texas accent with the stiff bottom lip that, you know, that certain Texas draw, it's amazingly well done and he kills it. Michael Shannon also kills it because he's just a fantastic actor. He might not have the greatest range of all times, but he is still amazing to watch in everything he's in, whether it be Zod or Waco or Midnight Special. He is great in everything he's in. I love seeing him, but he doesn't get enough screen time. I wish it was more of him because he is just so great. Now, I will talk about the actual show. We'll get to the actual show. It's got a very weird flow because it's always broken up by these flashbacks, which have a filter on them, just in case you didn't know it was a flashback, which I would think would be implied because David Koresh is in the flashbacks. So he's dead. You'd think the audience could figure that out, but whatever. A filter works. It's just odd to be so heavy handed in it. But again, audiences, they're, you know, they're kind of dumb. Like, I don't, I don't blame them for doing that. It's not... It's not bad by any means. It is a nice visual distinction, so you know past and present. Yet, it's it's just a little heavy-handed is all. Not really a complaint. Now, all of these character developments that are in these flashbacks just feel a little interspersed. There's a, a scatteredness to it where it doesn't feel concrete enough. All the developments you get feel as though they're all teases. They don't feel as though they stand by themselves without the present day to help them. And that kind of hinders it because it's always switching back and forth. And the second you're comfortable, not comfortable because, you know, it's always good to switch up, but the second you've got a real grasp on the present or the past, it flips and, you know, goes to the present or it flips and goes to the past. And that really hinders my, maybe not my enjoyment, but the enjoyment of the series because you never know what people are going to like. You know, someone might just hate flashbacks. Well, guess what? Half the show's flashbacks. Some people might not like legal courtroom dramas. Guess what? Half the show is legal courtroom dramas. And then the other half, three halves, the other half is Michael Shannon doing this undercover cop thing. And they also do the thing where undercover missions and operations have this inherent tension and risk that are already built in so that no matter how it's presented, you're always kind of stressed out, a little bit anxious. And it doesn't help the show any because I don't think that's really where the show shines. The show shines when it's about the interactions between the government and the Waco people believers, whatever, the, the Davidians, I think they're called, the whatever Davidians. And it's, it's odd that they focus so much time on not that. 
And yes, it does give Michael Shannon more screen time, which is what I wanted, but it feels as though it's kind of useless. It, it almost feels padded out because of those scenes, because it leads into the OKC bombing, which is odd. And I don't even know if that's a spoiler because it hints at it pretty early. And if you know anything about the OKC bombing, you know, it's hinting at that very early and it just displays these random segments of it that are sort of related, more tangentially related. It just doesn't do much for me other than why don't you just make an OKC show? It makes you wonder if you spent all this time producing these OKC scenes that aren't really connected to the show. Why, you know, what, why not just do an OKC show? I think that would have been a better route, but instead they decided to kind of ham fist it in during this Waco aftermath. And yes, it is a part of the aftermath of Waco, but again, it only adds to the, the fluff and feels as though the show didn't really know what it wanted to be. It says it's based on a book, but I do not think this book is laid out in the same way. And if it is, maybe it's the book's fault. Who knows? Maybe it's the producer's fault for sticking to the book too hard. Yet I still feel the same as a lot of ideas that they come together, but they don't come together. Well, it's fine. It's, it's a, a good show. That's it. Good. There's not, there's nothing above good for this. There's no accolade I'd give above good. You know, it's, it's a seven. Period. Whereas the Waco show, I thought that was a really dope show. That's an 8.5 for me. I thought that was an awesome watch. Watch that. I think it was during quarantine. Absolutely love watching that. Binged it in no time. This show, I binged it in no time, but not for the same reasons. It was simply to end it. And it was an episode shorter. So with all this padding and all this fluff, they still didn't have enough content to give you as much as they did in the original Waco show. And that's... Strange to me. That's strange. I think... No, wait, 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 wait. What we do in the shadows. I will talk about what we do in the shadows because I watched the first two episodes with my friend. Absolutely love the show. I will never badmouth what we do in the shadows. You can't catch me badmouthing that show because we deserve more comedies or sitcoms, whatever you want to call it. We deserve more content like what we do in the shadows. And that's it. Great, great first two episodes, but every episode is great. They never miss. Even when it's not that funny, it's still hilarious <laughs> compared to everything else. I will not badmouth. So I think that is it for episode nine of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I will see you guys next week on episode 10. Hopefully I've watched more stuff. I mean, of course I've watched more stuff. Hopefully I've watched more better stuff. Hopefully Secret Invasion is better this week. Fingers crossed. I'll see you guys next week. I'm out of here.